Welcome and bienvenue and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing sugar. When it comes to sugar, 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 How are we doing? I have had a long and tiring week. If you are in a similar position, I hope that when you are listening to this, you are listening to it because it relaxes you. Does the tone of my voice relax you right now? (laughs) But yes, I hope that if you are experiencing a long week or month, that at this point, everything is leveling out. Patty, I'm sorry. I know I I started on a positive note, but I have a bit of an axe to fucking grind, and I, I you know what I'm going to be talking about today, this inexplicable moment that we both shared. Now, it's been a while, I think, since we referenced, we've only referenced them once. It, we, at one point, talked about a pair of gentlemen, men, not gentlemen, who host a tennis podcast. And as I said before, I am not willing to mention the podcast by name because that would be free publicity for their show. And frankly, I don't want our listeners to feel any pressure or, you know, if we have any listeners who have a mean streak in them, a weird internet instinct within them, like I do on occasion, I don't want people to go to this podcast and, you know, give them bad reviews or anything like that. Let's be clear. I think the show is bad. I have given it a listen. My ear has been turned to this tennis podcast. It's bad. And we haven't really encountered them all that much since the last time we brought them up on the show. Because according to their release schedule, there are very, they, they release episodes very intermittently. You know, we release an episode every single Wednesday, unless, you know, we make it explicitly clear that we'll be taking some time off. And these guys are all over the map. So we don't really see them in the studio at all. We're not really sure. I mean, we have a very consistent schedule with the studio. We know when we're going to be coming in and out to record, but these guys apparently just pop up out of nowhere and fucking pay for the space and they get in and get out. Whatever. My point is, I was waiting in the lobby for our specific space within the recording studio. We generally are in this one room. I was in the lobby waiting for this room to let out. And I could kind of tell, you know, it's muffled, but I could tell that these tennis guys were in our space, which is fine. And, you know, I'm listening to other podcasts. I'm, you know, just counting down the minutes until I can get in there and I can be with Patty and we can do our thing. And these guys walk out and they see me and they both have this 
immediate, silent, nonverbal reaction. And th their eyes go big. Patty wasn't here for this, but it was bizarre. I made eye contact with them. They made eye contact with me. And it seemed as if they were genuinely very surprised to see me there. And I, I didn't really know why. I didn't say anything because I was... I felt very uncomfortable, and they didn't say anything. <laughs> they shuffled their way off to Buffalo out of the recording studio, and then, Patty, you showed up not too long after that, and we walked into the studio together, and we were flabbergasted by what met us. And you're holding it up now. Thank you for... <laughs> It's a visual reminder to me of just how crazy this is, that it is real. Patty is holding up a piece of paper that was folded so that it could sort of be propped up. And on the piece of, <laughs> on the piece of paper, it says, thanks for cleaning up, TMM, TMM. And there are arrows... Oh my god, there, I, to even describe it, there are arrows drawn onto the piece of paper, and where this was placed where this folded piece of paper was propped, the arrows were pointing to specific points, general areas within the studio. And I noticed that, so there was an arrow pointing to a discarded bag, an empty bag of potato chips. Okay, and then there was another arrow pointing to the trash can? which seemed to be, I guess, a hint. I, I, now I'm putting, the, <laughs> I'm putting this math together. Obviously, potato chip bag go into trash can. Now I understand. Thank you. But then there was another arrow pointing to, like, nothing? I don't know. I, were there crumbs on the floor? I don't know. I, we, we are busy people. We are busy professional people. And clearly, they thought that we had been in the studio prior to their coming in. Even though they didn't see us. I don't know if they were looking at a schedule. There's the online schedule for the studio, but you would have known that we were not in there. And what are we supposed to think when we see the letters TMM? There ain't no other podcast coming in and out of that studio bearing a name that when abbreviated is TMM. So to the tennis fellows, I have a feeling, I don't know, if they're as crazy as I am, they're probably trying to dip in every now and then to see if we're talking about them. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they talk about us, so maybe they're not as weird as I am. But why this drama? It's the gayest thing. I it, Honestly, it's the gayest thing I've experienced in quite some time. Let's move on. Let's, let's pack that away. Who knows how that'll how that'll unfold. I, I want to say this as well before we move into the show facts. Show me the show facts. Patty is going to be, we can say this now officially, Patty will be going on maternity leave. Speaking, speaking, I think I'm just getting upset because I don't want to see you go. Patty will officially be going on maternity leave starting August 1st and will return to us in December, at the top of December. Which means that over the next couple of weeks, our interim engineer, Benny, will be joining us, sitting down with us, and he will be trained in how to... I mean, he's an engineer. It's not like there's not a lot of training involved, but I, I think maybe it's a matter of dealing with me. Maybe, being, maybe Benny will be trained on how to deal with me. Maybe Patty's nodding. Hey, no, you're not allowed to agree with that joke. No, thank you very much. No yes and on that. Patty, thank you. I, I will miss Patty, clearly. That's why I was stumbling over my words a second ago. But I'm very excited for the arrival of this little baby. And I've requested no less than 8,000 pictures of this little baby, this little peanut baby. And I'm very excited, Patty. Uh, we started this show in January. That was truly before you made the official announcement that you were pregnant. So it, it, it's astonishing to me that it seems like we blinked. I'm sure for you, <laughs> for a man to say that, that's very easy. It seems like time 
time has gone by in an instant. When for you, who is, you know, you're actually going through the work of being pregnant. I'm sure for you, it is <laughs> not been a breeze. I'm sure it's not been a blink of an eye scenario. But Patty, congratulations in advance. So excited for you. So happy thinking about this baby. So let's pack that away. We had a little bit of the salty at the top, and then we had some sweet to follow that up. And now let's talk about something else sweet. Uh-oh, didn't play in that. That wasn't written down. That was not a transition of mine. Let's talk about something else sweet. Let's talk about sugar. Not that sugar. Oh, honey, honey. Not that sugar. The musical Sugar, show me the show facts. Sugar is based on the 1959 Billy Wilder film, Some Like It Hot, which stars Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemmon. Fun movie fact, while many believe the Roman Catholic Church officially condemned Some Like It Hot, they only went so far as to rule it, quote, morally objectionable. I wasn't aware that the Roman Catholic Church had an MPAA equivalent. I didn't know they were out there rating movies. Do they still do that? I'm not willing to look into it. I was raised Catholic, that's enough for me. Fun TV fact, the film was adapted into an unsold television pilot in 1961, so just a few years after the movie was initially released, and for that film, for that TV pilot, I should say, Lemon and Curtis agreed to film brief cameos? Sure, why not, we all need money. I'm certain I've discussed this in the past, but I do admire the era of Broadway when incredibly popular movies were adapted for the stage, and no one was interested in retaining the titles of those movies, titles that were widely recognizable and would have presumably put butts in seats. Why call it Some Like It Hot when you could call it Sugar? Why call it The Apartment when you could call it Promises, Promises? Why call it All About Eve when you could call it Applause? These artistic works must be allowed to stand apart from their Hollywood predecessors. I'm not sure when this notion died out, but by 1992, when Sugar was retitled Some Like It Hot, the musical, for its London premiere, the direction of the wind had clearly changed. Why the hell is it called Sugar anyway? Don't be an idiot. Call it Some Like It Hot, the musical. Sugar was a 1973 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on Broadway on April 9th, 1972 at the Majestic Theater and ran for 505 performances. The book, which is based on the original Billy Wilder and I.A.L. Diamond screenplay, was written by Peter Stone. The music was written by Julie Stein of Gypsy, Subways Are For Sleeping, Funny Girl, ever heard of it? The lyrics were written by Bob Merrill of Funny Girl, ever heard of it? Ba 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 ba. Carnival with an exclamation point, and the ill-fated musical adaptation of Breakfast at Tiffany's. The director of the original Sugar production was Gower Champion. The musical director was Elliot Lawrence. The choreographer was Gower Champion, but Gower had an associate choreographer. Yeah, that was uh, oh Bert Michaels. Hello, Bert. Scenic design Robin Wagner. Lighting design Martin Ehrenstein. Costume design Alvin Colt and. To the original Broadway cast included Robert Morse, Cyril Richard, Tony Roberts, Elaine Joyce, who was replaced by Pamela Blair, who we might recall that name. We, she would go on to play Val in a chorus line a few years later. The cast also included Sheila Smith, Dick Bonnell, Eileen Casey, Steve Condos, Harriet Conrad, Terry Cullen, Linda Gandell, Alan Cass, Leslie Latham, or maybe Latham, Deborah Lyman, Sally Neal, Marilou Cernick, 
Kathleen Widmer and Mary Zahn. As always, I apologize for inevitably mispronouncing some of those names. You know, while we're on the subject of casting, here's a bonus show fact for you. Tony Curtis, who, as we mentioned, starred in the 1959 film, was cast in the 2002-2003 U.S. National Tour of Sugar in the role of Osgood Fielding Jr. Now you might be wondering, we don't know who Osgood Fielding Jr. is. That's meaningless to us who have never engaged with Sugar before. Well, keep your britches on because you'll find out soon enough. Tony nods. Sugar was nominated for Best Musical, of course, of course. It was also nominated for Best Actor in a Musical, Robert Morris, Best Choreography, Gower Champion, and Best Direction of a Musical, Gower Champion. But, unfortunately, despite those four nominations, as you may have noticed, it didn't win any actual awards. So, four nominations, zero awards. Zero awards, be your parallel. The plot, Sugar, may be named after its female ingenue, but the plot is primarily focused on Jerry and Joe, a pair of down-on-their-luck musicians who have the unfortunate distinction of bearing witness to Chicago's St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Vicious gangster Spatz Palazzo puts a hit on our hapless heroes, leading them to hatch a crazy scheme. Step one, dress in drag. Step two, adopt new names. Joe becomes Josephine, and Jerry becomes Daphne. Step three, land jobs with the all-female band Sweet Sue and her society syncopators, and hightail it to Miami Beach, where the band has secured their latest gig. Simple, right? Not so simple, my friend. Not so simple, no, no. For you see, the band's lead singer is a beautiful lady named Sugar Kane, and Joe can't help but fall in love with the gal when Joe, as Josephine, learns about Sugar's dream of marrying a millionaire he adopts a second persona, that of an heir to the Shell Oil Company, or he might be pretending to be the outright owner of the Shell Oil Company. Not quite sure on that. Oil Man Joe contends women have no effect on him because he's simply had far too much sex over the years, which compels Sugar to try and melt his cold heart. Antics ensue, they do, but Joe realizes his deception can only end in tears for poor Sugar, whose minor drinking problem problem has already led her into the arms of too many jerks. Uh, Sorry, did I not mention Sugar has a minor drinking problem? Well, it's on the record now. She has a minor drinking problem. On the flip side of the narrative, Jerry as Daphne falls in league with Osgood Fielding Jr. Here we go. A horny, 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 horny old man who lavishes Daphne with affection and, more importantly, highly expensive gifts. It's at this point Wikipedia completely craps out on me and abandons any hope of relaying the rest of the plot. All I know is Spatz Palazzo and his goons appear in Miami Beach, find Joe and Jerry, and reveal their true identities in some form or fashion. But we can assume Joe and Jerry aren't ultimately executed RoboCop style as Sugar watches in horror, blood and brain matter splattering against her face and dress. No, this is a musical comedy only happening the endings for all, I do say. For the purposes of this week's episode, I sat down not once, but twice with the 1972 original Broadway cast album. Unfortunately, there are no copies of the show's book available via the library system, and the show was not presented during the ABC broadcast of the 1973 Tony Awards. Oddly, Pippin was
was the only musical to perform that year. Can you imagine? What a jip. Uh, are you going to cover the 1992 London cast album? Which, as you mentioned, goes by the name Some Like It Hot, the musical, stars one Tommy Steele, hello, and features, from the looks of it, exactly one new song? No. I apologize, you were quite polite when asking your question, but no! No, Daddy's had a long week. Daddy needs a nightcap and a foot rub. Daddy doesn't have time to play catch. Daddy's in the cradle with the cat under the silver spoon. Can't you understand, my children? Let's talk about the score of sugar. Let's talk about penniless bums. Hey, Jar, let's go down to the Musicians' Union and try and get a job. There are no jobs! See how two melody masters can suffer a string of disasters and finally become two penniless bums. Ducking the butcher and laundry, which one to pay is a quandary, so we pay none like penniless bums. Train for the Philharmonic we offered our souls ironically just to be spurned chronically snubbed rib cages like two xylophones so thin we're just a pile of bones begging for crumbs a grief that numbs just like two pitiful penniless bums Saying a musical comedy lives or dies on the strength of its cast is about the most obvious statement I could make, but Sugar is entirely dependent on the timing and chemistry of its Joe and Jerry. Again, I haven't read the book, but I imagine these characters are in almost every single scene, and this is only one of the three vaudeville-style duets they are expected to carry. God help any production of Sugar that can't offer a solid Joe and Jerry is all I'm saying. During my second sit-down session with the cast album, I was struck by the intellectual pomposity of Merrill's lyrics at the very beginning. For example, the number opens with the lyric, Grief, you hunter, you do pursue me, and ooh, your arrows are swift. The Cole Porter-esque lamentations continue from there for almost a solid minute, but then there's a downshift, and Joe and Jerry become the blue-collar Chicago mugs you expect to hear, as if they were indulging in a goofy bit and decided to drop it out of, I don't know, boredom. This should clue us in on how these guys work, revealing a penchant for playing games and taking on airs that directly informs their idea to become Josephine and Daphne. But it's a bit you only pick up on on the second time around. Newcomers to Sugar like myself would still be settling into the show's groove at this early point, so you can't blame us if the bit doesn't land. Penniless Bums is a tough sell from an actor's perspective in general because its chief goal, I don't think, is comedy. It's table setting. Necessary table setting, but table setting nonetheless. It casually builds out the world of the show when any audience member worth their salt should be thinking, When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> the fireworks factory being drag, of course. Let's get to the drag right now, shall we, darling? Oh, yes, let's. Hello, world, they call us Daphne and Josie. A thousand pounds of paradise from head to toesy. Here is the kind of beauty that drives a man, mama, mad. Please watch 
How close the kidneys get this Ain't no erectoset This here's the beauty that drives a man mad The beauty that drives men mad is Doofy Moose Lodge caveman comedy, and I'm kind of all about it. It's such a smart decision to have Joe and Jerry celebrate their new female personas rather than feel awkward or uncomfortable. It wouldn't make any sense for them to be embarrassed. This is their plan after all, but I can't imagine lesser writers trying to find humor in their despair. Thankfully, Stein and Merrill have no time for such nonsense choosing instead to have our boys revel in Josephine and Daphne's curvy splendor. The lyric, please watch how close the kitties get, this ain't no erector set, causes either Robert Morris or Tony Roberts to audibly break, which is a delightfully organic and charming moment. My guess is they really tickled each other during this recording session, and what more could you want out of a comedy partner? I'm a dreamer, completely unrealistic. You've described my main characteristic. Listen, sweetie. Yes, indeedy. We... We could be close I'm a Pisces And I was born a Taurus Gosh, we got the planets going for us Listen, sweetie Yes, indeedy We, we could be close We could be, we, you and me could be as close as any two sisters could be. Bobbing around, throbbing like two canaries. Share alike, sharesy, sharesy. I've got three sisters, three sisters and a brother. I'd love to have some kids at some time or another. Sometimes I worry that I'll never be a mother. I can see how you and me I find myself waffling back and forth a bit during We Could Be Close. On the one hand, Elaine Joyce has very little to work with when it comes to the role of Sugar Cane. Sugar is nice, Sugar is a romantic, and that's about it. And during this number in particular, she's constantly made to set up a man's punchline. She never gets her own punchlines. Talk about unsatisfying from the perspective of the actor who has to inhabit this part. We all want to have punchlines, for God's sake. On the other hand, Joyce delivers a supremely endearing performance on the cast album, so I have to applaud her ability to make a meal out of scraps. Robert Morse comes off a tad obnoxious by comparison, always goosing those aforementioned punchlines of his with a prolonged snicker. I do like this exchange between Sugar and Josephine. Don't you just love trying on merchandise? I've been wondering what's your size. I'm a size 8, a size 8 with a C cup. I'm a 40, a 40 with a wee cup. You pad with cotton. I almost was forgotten. We, we, we could, could be, be close. But then my delight is spoiled by one of the song's final jokes, which boils down to, hee hee hee, sugar doesn't know I have a cock. That's it. 
Not a fan of that one. And stop snickering, Robert Morris. What are you going for? Jack Lemmon by way of Muttley? If there's any laughing to be done, Mr. Morris, we, the audience, will take care of that. You can trust us on that, okay? All right. Face is a totally respectable wannabe showstopper that owes a hell of a lot to Hello Dolly's Put On Your Sunday Clothes. And just for the sake of comparison, let's get a bit of Sunday clothes right now. comparisons are clear. In both cases, the entire company is trotted on stage to sing about their desire to get up and go. They're displaying this adventurous spirit. They want to take life by the horns and travel somewhere exciting and new. In the case of Sugar, everyone wants to go to Miami Beach. And in the case of Hello Dolly, it's everyone wanting to go to town. They want to go to town. They want to go to town and have food. They also share a suspiciously similar musical spirit, uh, which I'm sure you might have picked up on just now, as there comes a point in each song where we hunker down and go full locomotor speed toward the finish line. I won't go so far as to say Sun on My Face is an outright ripoff of Sunday Clothes, but I also don't believe this is a case of imitation being the sincerest form of flattery. In other words, I'm watching you, Sun on My Face. Don't get it. No, 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 no. Don't get too tricky, okay? I'm watching you, okay? Oh, you can call it madness if you're so inclined But though we're somewhat older, we are still not blind And if we still go frantic for a sweet behind Even naughty old men need love Even naughty old men need love Oh, how the heart can flutter, how the soul can sing We live a life a loving or a languishing Is there a misty maiden with a kiss to spare For a naughty old teddy bear For a naughty old teddy bear I am wholly unmoved by the character of Osgood Fielding Jr., a self-professed dirty bird who has an inclination for young girls. His words, not mine. I'm not convinced anyone thought he was funny in the 70s. I'm not convinced anyone thought the character was funny, I should say. And I'm certain no one would laugh at his behavior today. The character is clearly inspired by Lord Brockhurst, a similarly lusty geriatric featured in the musical The Boyfriend. I may be too old to run a mile. Run a mile? Yes, run a mile. But there's one thing I still do very well. 
that's two separate words, by the way. The Boyfriend. Ah, The Boyfriend, a musical from the 1950s that aimed to satirize musicals from the 1920s. Not exactly the type of show I'd want to emulate, but hey, I'm not a composer or a lyricist. Osgood technically has a second song in the show, but we're not going to dedicate any time to it because I'm the musical man and I call the shots around here. What are you going to do about it, wimp? Ah, no! I've always feared death by drowning. Help now, please stop. <laughs> oh no! <sighs> My iPod. Does he have a joke? <laughs> Does Aziz have a joke that ends with "Oh no, my iPod"? No. Yeah. It's just like in that movie with Toby Wing and Buddy Rogers. Broadway melody. She got him, and he got her. He obviously sees something in me. Amazing how quick two people can click. Hey, why not say? Why not who can tell? I could just wind up being sugar shell. I'll admit that from where I sit, it's touch and go. Not easy, although impossible, no! Imagine me traveling with the swell Me such a little fish among the shells American dreams, don't take them lightly Just like that, I might be sure transition into a discussion of the song, Hey, Why Not? I want to reiterate how I do have a fondness for Sugar the character. She is optimistic and trusting to a fault, so being on her side and wanting what's best for her is a total given. I'd theorize she's an ancestor to Little Shop of Horrors, Audrey, in that way, when Sugar sings gleefully about the prospect of finally finding her great love. My heart sort of swells, dang it. But you couldn't give her, like, three fucking jokes? Not even three, maybe two? Stop limiting Sugar the character, Sugar the musical. I'll tell you right now what this song doesn't need, and that's the male ensemble showing up to crowd and tarnish what should be Sugar's big solo. Get out of here, you bums! Why is the show afraid to focus on Sugar? The show is called Sugar. Let me speak to your manager, Sugar. Ugh. She'll label me a heel, you know I'm really not a heel, you know It wasn't a bad deal, you know Think how good I made her feel, you know When all is said and done, you know She had a bit of fun, you know You didn't see her run, you know She's over 21, you know Now she'll be hurt now she'll be hurt Her little life will be in patches And her breath will come in catches And her nerves will be a knot And as for me And as for me For just some momentary pleasure I have run off with a treasure 
call the cops and have me booked. It's always love. It's always love. Damn it all. I think I'm hooked. I am a fan of Joe's 11 o'clock number, It's Always Love, though upon first glance, I gave it too much credit. My initial impression was, oh, this is refreshing. I'm glad that the show is taking time for Joe to reflect on his bad behavior and process how much it will hurt Sugar to know he's been lying to her for weeks. But the song and the character don't lean into emotional honesty willingly. They actually largely resist it. It's a case of a man learning his lesson despite an aggressively stubborn unwillingness to grow beyond himself by even an inch. If this calls to mind my fair lady's Henry Higgins, you're on the right track. When Joe begrudgingly admits at the end of this song that he is hooked on sugar, that's the term he uses, oh, I'm hooked. And keep in mind, he says he's hooked after spending a few solid minutes of stage time whining about what a crisis it is for a man to fall in love. It's absolutely his I've grown accustomed to her face moment. But I still dig the song. It's delivered with fine bravado by Tony Roberts, and I'd recommend it to anyone as audition material. Do I think Sugar deserves an introspective soliloquy of her own? Of course I do. If a musical comedy can ease off the comedy pedal long enough for its leading man to get serious, then it can do the same for its leading lady. You meet a man in London town and no Meet a man in Chicago You never, never know what business he's in have When You Meet a Man in Chicago. I transcribed my internal monologue verbatim. This is the internal monologue I experienced while listening to the song When You Meet a Man in Chicago. It goes a little something like this. Oh, this is okay. A sort of smoky piano bar rat pack tune that gets your toe a tapping. Sure, it's meaningless, but I'm here for it. And hey, this lady's got a real Ethel Merman vibe going. But it couldn't be Ethel, could it? Let me reach for the old laptop and do a bit of research. Clickety clack clack, clickety clack clack. Ah ha ha, Ethel Merman. She's not. Sheila Smith, she be. Well, she's certainly invoking the spirit of Ethel. Makes sense. Julie Stein did work with Merman. On Gypsy after all, and God knows Ethel was never going to play the minor role of Sweet Sue, a band leader who probably has less than 10 lines of dialogue. Let's take
take a look at Sheila Smith's IBDB resume. Ah, damn! The original cast of Follies? Fucking go on with your bad self, Sheila Smith. God damn! That was my verbatim internal monologue transcribed for your pleasure. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And that's it. That's my very quick study of sugar. Uh, there wasn't really that much there to dig through, to be totally honest, uh, but we'll get to my final thoughts in a minute. Normally, we would hear from 5678 Coffee, our fine esteemed sponsor at this point, but we have a band. A band? No! We don't have a band. We have a brand. That's it. A brand new. Huh? Patreon? Huh? Donor? That's right. Her name is Ashley, and she is going to get a musical shout-out right later? No, 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 no. Right yesterday? <laughs> no, 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 no. Right now! Hit it! Baby, do me a favor. When the next patient comes in, <laughs> put, him in a, put him in a mask, baby. Do you understand what I'm saying? Take one of the masks from the bottom drawer there. I put some masks in the bottom drawer there at your reception desk. Honey, put a mask on his face. Give him, tell him it's a little, it's a sweet little treat that I've got for him. <laughs> and if he resists, lock the door, baby. There's a button under the reception desk. <laughs> Just push the button and the door will lock baby. Oh, baby. Oh, hi there, Ashley. It's me, Dr. Oren Scorvello from the musical Little Shop of Horrors. I heard that you're our <laughs> latest donor, and I just <laughs> wanted to say that I'm so excited to have you on board. You know, Patty and Jonathan, they, they reached out to me, and they said, could you record a special musical shout-out for Ashley? And I said, I said, I said, baby, I'd love to. <laughs> Excuse my hacking and my hooking. I'm hooking and hacking because <laughs> I haven't been to the dentist myself in over 30 years. Talk about a whoa, irony, baby. Your name is Ashley. And I know you donate to the podcast. Uh For donating to the podcast every month. Oh, you're so damn nice and lovely. I want to rip out all your teeth. I probably shouldn't include a bit about the teeth, but we'll do a second take of this, Ashley. We'll do a second teeth where I, I take, take, take where I don't talk about your teeth, teeth, teeth. How about that, Ashley? Oh, I think it sounds great. All right, Ashley, I'm going to go do take two. And, you know, depending on how that turns out, I might get even crazier during that. You might, well, Patty and Jonathan, you might just use this take. You know what? Fuck it. I'm not doing another take. I have teeth to pull out. I have people to murder and bury in my backyard. Did I say murder and bury? I meant murder and bury. I meant exactly what I meant. I never take anything back, and I ain't doing no second take. Bye, Ashley. Thanks for donating to the podcast. That's the sound my drill makes. Final thoughts on sugar. Sugar is a bubbly, frothy, sweet, 
soda fountain treat of a musical comedy that benefits greatly from the presence of Julie Stein and Bob Merrill, they understood and accepted this was never going to reach the heights of a gypsy or a funny girl, but it's clear they put in a good amount of work to make sugar as entertaining and diverting as reasonably possible. Is its success highly indebted to about half a dozen decidedly stronger musicals? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Would I catch a college or dinner theater production of Sugar? Sure, yeah, yeah, why not? I'm a simple fellow. Would I rather watch the movie again when all the cards are on the table? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But I like Sugar. What more can I say? It's a solid B-. minus. I also appreciate how the show never makes the mistake of becoming mean-spirited when it comes to the subject of men dressing up as women. Unless I'm missing jokes one would only find within the show's book, Sugar only goes so far as to say men dressing up as women? Delightful and hilarious. That's a tired comedic conceit, to be sure, but at least it isn't spiked with outright trans phobia, or generalized gay panic. I keep coming back to a scene from the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, in which Robin Williams sneers at Matthew Lawrence, who plays his son, for suggesting he would ever dress as a woman because he enjoys it. He basically says, what? No, clearly I would only do this to spend time with you. It's not a habit, for God's sake. Ugh, disgusting. Imagine. That's the kind of garbage I'm talking about. We can all agree the put-out white guy adopts a new identity to get what he wants, genre, which also includes Tootsie, Soul Man, and the ill-fated ABC sitcom Work It, should not be indulged again moving forward, but if you're going to engage with any of its output, you could do worse than Sugar. I mean, we just had Tootsie the Musical premiere in March, and that looks to be pretty dire. Wait, what am I talking about? Clearly there are people who still think we're interested in the put-out white guy genre because we're getting an entirely new Broadway adaptation of Some Like It Hot in 2020. This version will feature music and lyrics by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman of Hairspray, Catch Me If You Can, and Mary Poppins Returns fame. They also co-wrote the Bombshell score for any Smash fans who might be listening. Will this adaptation be good? My Peter Tingle says maybe. The material is right up their alley, though I wouldn't want to be compared to Julie Stein and Bob Merrill. Those comparisons aren't going to be kind. Let's just hope they give Sugar more to do as a character. Now, in 1973, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Stephen Sondheim's A Little Night Music, and the other nominees alongside Sugar were Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope, and Pippin. I realize this will get me in a lot of trouble with Sondheim disciples, but Pippin should have won Best Musical back in 1973. I said it. There, it's on the record. I know, tie me to the stakes and burn my little tootsies. I'm a witch who does not deserve to live. A Little Night Music is a fine work of art, to be sure, but it does put me to sleep. When I think of a little night music, I imagine an old English man turning to an old English woman and asking, Do you have the time, Lady Coffin Rock? I'm a Pippin boy, what can I say? Think about the sun, a Pippin. What if his name was Poppin? Poppin. That's fun. Let's rank the show. I'm going to put Sugar at number 15 on our list, right between The Lion King at number 14 and Grind at number 16. If you want a full breakdown of our current ranking, go to our Twitter page, at MusicalManPod. There's a pinned tweet that'll take you to a Google Sheet. The second tab features our current ranking system. As a reminder, our number one show is a chorus line currently, and our bottom show is Miss Saigon. That's right. We also have two 
shows in what is known as the Phantom Zone. Those are shows that I couldn't fairly rank because there's simply not enough material to process, <laughs> review, analyze, <laughs> engage with. And those shows would be Big Deal and James Joyce's The Dead. Hello there, over there in the Phantom Zone. I hope it's not too painful over there. No show-related ephemera this week, unfortunately. Sad to say it. So instead, I'll take this time to ask a few questions, if you'll indulge me. Why call it Miracle on 34th Street when you can call it Here's Love? Why call it The Shop Around the Corner when you can call it She Loves Me? Why call it Breakfast at Tiffany's when you can call it Holly Go Lightly? Why call it The Quiet Man when you can call it Donnybrook? I like the sound of that one. Why call it Gone Are the Days when you can call it Pearly? Why call it the tea house of the August moon when you can call it lovely ladies, kind gentlemen? And why call it eight and a half when you can call it nine? You get the picture. Now get out of here and make me money! Now, normally at this point in the show, we would take a ride on the musical carousel to determine which show we discuss the next time that we gather together, but... Ashley, being our latest Patreon donor, had the ability to decide what show we discuss next. She selected the 1996 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical. It ran for a total of 5,123 performances on Broadway, and that is not, that is not, not other, it's not other than the show Rent, baby. That's right. And that episode, we're going to be taking a week off. That's right, I'm going to be going to a wedding with my boyfriend, Chris. That's true. So we're going to take a week off, but that Rent episode will be dropping in the main feed on July 31st. So keep an eye out. Have a nice break from us, and uh, I know you'll miss us. I know, I know. Now, if you want to be like Ashley and donate to the podcast, you certainly can. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. If you donate a dollar, you get a verbal shout-out each and every week. Let's do that now. Ashley, Chris JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, Marisol. Thank you very much for donating. And if you donate a dollar, you also get access to the 73rd annual Tony Awards coverage episode, a special bonus episode only available for a dollar a month. If you donate $3 a month, you get a musical shout out, just like the one you heard earlier from the good doctor. Yes, if you donate $5 a month, you get to choose which show we discuss on the podcast, and you get access to the Phantom of the Opera advice show All I Ask of You, all 12 episodes of it, but if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I described, everything, 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 and access to The Snub Club, a special series about Broadway musicals that were never nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. Our episode for this month, the month of July, is dedicated to Jekyll and Hyde. Patty, you and I are going to be recording that right after we get done here with our sugar session, and that is also going to drop on Wednesday, July 31st. So, uh, if you want to donate $10 a month, you'll get access to that and all of the other episodes in the Snow Club series. Donations go toward cast recordings, movie rentals, and offsetting Podbean host costs. If we ever get to the point where we are bringing in $100 or more in total monthly donations, I will produce M3, the movie musical man. That will be a monthly series for which I will watch three movie musicals each and every month, and they will be linked together by some sort of fun theme. Go to Apple Podcasts and write a five-star review. I was a little general about this last week and I think maybe the week before, but I want to narrow this goal down in regards to our Apple Podcast reviews. What I would love to see in a perfect world would be 30 written 
five-star reviews. It's one thing to give the show a five-star rating, but the thing that I like to do is go through and read all of the really positive written reviews. So I think we're at about 16 or 17 written reviews, but I want to see 30 written five-star reviews. And if we can get to that point, I will record a special episode all about the Disney Channel series Descendants. Uh, And of course, if you write a review in Apple Podcasts, you also get my cover of Light My Candle from None Other Than Rent, our next subject. There we go. So if you're streaming the show, it's likely through musicalmanpod.podbean.com or Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod or email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks to Alex Green for our beautiful logo and Zach Little for our beautiful music. And That's the doorbell, baby. Ah, you know what that means? That sound, I should say. You know what it means? Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh, well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, and good night. Can somebody tell me what the hell is going on? Mitch, help me out here.